Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from thenextreel.com. We are talking about John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. Back with us today, we have Scott Corelli and Nick Jimenez from the Cornetto Minute. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks Hello. for having us back. Happy to be here. Glad you could make it. We are talking about Minute 57 of Iron Man. And on today's show, the minute starts with Tony belittling dummy, and it ends with boosting up on caffeine. A little mm-hmm. dosage for uh, for old Tony. This is a very uh, busy working minute. Yeah, man, this whole movie is just really, uh, it, it's just productivity. <laughs> That's right, it's, it is. It's, it, 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 just makes you, it just makes you want to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm just watching a guy, watching a guy troubleshoot for two hours. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like typing and screwing things and this, you know, so we get the last, so we, we talked yesterday about this incredibly long shot, uh, the, this orbit shot around Tony working and, and how, you know, how great it is that it's this, we've got this practical puppet foot that is on the desk and it, it works and it moves. And what we saw in the last minute, we saw the little, you know, all the little gears moving kind of the calf and the ankle. But in this minute, we actually answer a question that I had. I remember actually having sitting in the theater, which is how the hell does he get in this thing? And the <laughs> the end of this, you know, sort of 35 second shot, rotating shot around Tony, we see the boot open. Oh, of course, that's how he gets his foot in there. Of course, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, I just remember every one of these little reveals being so satisfying. Oh, yeah. And it's a really great sort of transitionary beat, too, because, you know, the boot opens and then the next thing you see is him in the boot. Right. Um, So it's just it's it's really just great storytelling, great editing. That's something we've been noticing consistently throughout this film is how great Jon Favreau is at finding the right ways to jump and do these transitions that just moves the story along so effectively. It, it hits the humor beats really nicely. I mean, he, he's very consistent with that. And that's something that I think very much is uh, just he's a natural at when he's making these projects. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that we cut from the boot. Right. We, we cut from the boot in the, the garage, the beautiful, perfect shot to his, I, I guess, you know, his, his like project camera, which is it, it's not quite, you know, better than security cam footage. But clearly this is the one that's being used by which which robot is it? Is it dummy or you? That's you. That's you. You is the camera mm. camera robot. And, you know, it's showing him trying to figure out how to use these boots to fly and you talk about a comic moment where this movie dips its toe so beautifully into absolute slapstick this is it yeah no it's a it's a pretty it's a vital moment in the mcu because i I remember watching this for the first time and the audience exploding with laughter yeah and it 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 really sets a lot of new rules which is like they like we like the humor and this works. Yep. Yeah. The reason this moment works is because they got someone like John Favreau who knows how to direct comedy and knows how to stage these comedic moments and knows that it's not just enough to have the character say a quippy, fun, snarky remark. It's the way this is stayed. This is funny because it's a wide shot. We see Dummy react in as much as he can to Tony's fall. Right. A beat. And then he sprays him. It's it's great, and we, and we see yeah, uh, it, the Russo brothers also know how to make comedy, and they know how to make those little those comedic moments sing when they mm-hmm. happen in these big, big lumbering action movies. Yeah, 
You mentioned dummy with the great reaction of the fire extinguisher mm-hmm. at the end of the shot. I do think it's funny, though. Dummy generally seems to be pretty slow and lumbering with the way that, <laughs> that he moves around. Sure. Or it, I guess I'm personifying it as a he, but it's uh, it's just an it. But man, does dummy move fast when Tony turns the boosters on and slams into the wall. Like it is following him every moment of the way and i'm like that's the fastest i've ever seen that robot move it's pretty impressive it is and you'll notice you doesn't move at all like you who has been yeah, adjusting a, and kind of moving the arm around to get the right. shot frame doesn't follow tony at, at all yep you just lets him kind of almost almost leave the frame there right up at the edge but it, it also kind of plays on the, the you know injury and why you know yes we it's a comedic moment in part because you know we're all saying ow Ow. Uh, but just like Raza in that last minute that, you know, he's he was blown up and had a house fall on him and he ended up with a pretty big scab on his forehead. And here Tony <laughs> is being thrust into the the angled concrete ceiling of his garage and dropped, what do you think, 14 feet, 12, 14 feet to the ground on his back. And we get another quick cut and he's working at the computer again. like. Right. Uh, it, it's just one of those wonderful sort of comic book injuries. Yeah. Well, I, well, it, it actually opens up a larger question that I've always had about this movie, which is how much yeah. time is passing as he's building this thing? Oh, that's a great question. Maybe like 14 months of ther- of like physical therapy. And, yeah. you know, we've missed all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why there's that timeline discrepancy in the MCU. <laughs> the healing exactly right why why it goes from 2008 to 2010 over the course of this movie there's actually a netflix show it's just like mcu hospital and it's just like an er but only for the for like the healing superheroes that's the night nurse (laughs) you know there's been so much said about uh why tony gets his his arc reactor back sort of after iron man 3 you know like he takes a step backward it doesn't fit i i think there's a there could just be an easy scene where it's like hey why are you wearing the thing again oh it's to keep my bones from like falling apart <laughs> right. i was in space for 10 sec for like a minute i got like punched yeah. by a chitari i got punched by a hulk and a thor yeah like this thing that i wear just like keeps my like body from being in constant pain yeah. <laughs> exactly my organs from falling out yeah <laughs> It's a, right. He's he's now put metal into all of his bones and the magnet is holding exactly. everything in place. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Well, I mean, this moment is we, we did have another kind of comedic moment earlier. And I think that the movie gently reminds us throughout that, hey, this is a comic book movie. You know, there are it's not 100 percent believable. Like when when Tony escapes the cave in the Mark one suit and then midair, all of a sudden it kind of runs out of steam and sputters and he he flies down into the sand dunes and we have that slide whistle sound as he's falling very much saying, Hey, he's going to be okay because this is a comic book movie. Again, they do that intentionally. And I think it, it allows it to be fun and it doesn't have to be some dark, dark thing. Yeah. Sort of borrowing, choosing when to borrow from it's like, yeah, even to go back to Spielberg and Lucas that the indie can like take a, take a beating and keep on like ticking. Yeah. Right. A couple things I wanted to point out. I I think it's really odd, and I I think it's interesting set decoration and odd that on the table, this is back in the the earlier part of the minute when he's working on the boot, it looks like he's got glow sticks laying on the table. And I, I was looking at that, I'm like, I can't figure out any reason what those would be. Like, it's no logical tool I've ever seen. 
it looks like he just has glow sticks laying there. And I think it just makes it a cool look and it gives a nice blue glow to the boot as he's working on it. But it's it's one of those things I probably have never noticed that it's just like the glowing stick laying on the table. I think it's a, a like a light table. Like I know y- y- large ones. I see large ones of that where like artists use it to sort of, um, you know, trace over old pencils like with inks or things like that. Like different artists have different techniques when they're, you know, drawing comic books and they'll have like a big like a light table, light board um to just to make it easier to to trace and it kind of that's it looks like a lit up portion of the table almost like you know maybe maybe he puts the boot over it sometimes to sort of like light up the inside of it so he could kind of see like all the the inner workings while um while working on the whole thing maybe it looks that way a little bit although i forgot to mention this in the last minute but you do see them very briefly in in minute 56 and it really looks like a tube it's Mm. very weird Hmm. it does it almost feels like a like a sample of his yeah uh like arc reactor types i mean it's the same stuff oh yeah same glow as, as his chest right you know what i mean it looks like it's connected to some cables and and maybe just like um some other kind of ancillary power source for the boot while before it's connected to the suit and to his chest oh yeah sure that could be that that that's an interesting angle on yeah. it yeah there's also like that stack of discs from the deleted scene is like right there oh that's yeah. right they're right there on the left another note i had and this was something we were talking about when we were first learning about what he had built and with with his chest and he was talking to yinsen in the cave and yinsen you know he says it can power that could power your heart for 50 lifetimes you know with the number of of gigajoules that that the arc reactor is generating in his chest we talked about maybe the idea is that the power in it changes over like he can somehow control how much power it's generating at any given time and the only thing that i can get out of that is that it changes the amount of glow that it has from time to time and when he's working in the first part of the minute it's a very faint glow under his shirt Mm -hmm. and then when we cut to the shot of the camera it is like a serious glow like he's got a light beam like a headlight in the middle of his chest well yeah i mean he would have to be able to do that right because he uses it as also a weapon Right. He he has sure. to be able to control the power output of that thing somehow or else he'd be burning up. Yeah. Well, I, I also think what if what if the thing what if there's like a um, what if there's like a like a sort of like power augmentation thing going on where he is uh, sort of overlaying an additional uh, sort of power thing over the power source in his chest that is sort of like. Sure you know, sort of uh, building on top of what that is, because um, there's definitely something he's wearing something over the shirt yeah. that is like creating that bright, that bright light. Um, and it, and it's reminiscent of like the thing that will be in his chest when he's Iron Man. But mm-hmm. like that thing is not the same thing that's in his chest. It's connected to his chest, but right, right. They're, like they're not, it's not, it's not the same thing. Um, so I think, I think that's what's going on is that he's put that thing on and that, that is the thing that maybe like sends the power from his chest out to like all of the parts. Yeah. I, I think that you're probably onto something there because it does say in the script, he's wearing the boots wired to a chest bandolier. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's probably what that, because it does look like a bandolier. It's strapped right across his chest. And that piece is definitely protruding more than it does normally. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's, that's a good point that I think it's, it's the glow. It's an extra glow. It's enhancing it and, uh, or pulling more power or something to allow it to generate the power he needs to get this uh, repulsion technology working with these boots. And then what's it, Yeah. What's it, I mean, it looks, this is funny. It's, it seems like they end up uh, so of course, I'm in our universe, the podcast cinematic universe. I've never seen uh, Iron Man two, but this looks more and more like Whiplash and and the stuff that he put together, like the stuff, the way it's like runs down his arms and that that bicep cuff and 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 all of that. Like it it really feels much more sort of strappy mm-hmm. and rudimentary. Well, I mean, wasn't wasn't the idea of of Whiplash was that he was uh he was like sort of stealing all of that technology from Tony's notes and stuff? Oh yeah, that's how they made it not as interesting. Right. Yeah. That, that Tony's I thought it was that Tony stole it from like him. Tony's and his dad. dad. Yeah, they had been working together, yeah. right? So oh. who's who's stealing from who? Exactly. Right. I think yeah. it was interesting that in the script, it's uh, Jarvis who's helping him. And I think it's interesting that over uh, these last two minutes, we have not had any Jarvis. He's not been talking to him at all. It's only Dummy and you that he's working with. And I don't know if they just, I mean, they obviously scripted it. So I would think that they had Paul Bettany read the lines, but uh, I, I don't know if there was a reason that they just decided to make that change. Uh, or maybe they just said, you know what, he needs to be interacting with something other than just Jarvis. Yeah, I kind of like it. I, 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 it really puts the weight on Tony's shoulders and Robert Downey Jr.'s shoulders. And it's pretty impressive how this is, you know, minutes of just following your main character. He's the only human on screen for a lot of this. And it's so it's some of the more dynamic, interesting, exciting, funny sequences in the movie. And it's watching a character try and fail and learn. Mm-hmm. And I, I think right. it's something that a lot of other blockbuster filmmakers or just filmmakers in general can learn from. I mean, the audience loves Tony and is with Tony at the end of this movie, hopefully, if you really enjoy this movie. And and I think it's because a lot of movies neglect to have characters do things like try and fail and learn and grow from stuff. That's an interesting point. I think I think you're right. And I think we do get to see that. And, and by not having Jarvis and having these kind of dumber versions, uh, it's nice because it does really put Tony in that spot where he's learning and he's having to figure it all out. Scott, you've talked uh, a little bit about Spider-Man in the past and and all that. How do you feel that this compares with uh, that first Spider-Man where he's I mean, he's kind of going through the same ropes and falling off buildings and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that this movie takes a lot from uh, the successes of that first Spider-Man movie. I mean, I think there's a lot of Sam Raimi in the kinds of uh, things that, especially like the physical comedy that Favreau yeah. is using um, in this and the timing on on certain jokes and things like that uh, are definitely here. There's also, um, there's also weirdly a little bit of uh, J. Jonah Jameson in uh, Tony Stark, just a <laughs> little bit uh but yeah i mean you know I, I i think that i think that there's there's a lot of it i think tone is something that they definitely took a little bit they sort of like this has always felt to me like a a marriage of tone between your your christopher nolan batman 
where Batman it's, where begins it's grounded. right with with yeah. that Sam Raimi Spider-Man. It feels it feels like that to me and I think I think that's part of what uh was the plan when they when they sort of started Marvel Studios is they had this guy who had been sort of an assistant on all these movies and then and saw all of them get made and was learning from the mistakes that they were making throughout it and then when he was given the keys to the castle he was like I know exactly how to tackle this. Like a good Palpatine. Yeah, like a good Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> quietly watching uh, from the back yeah well i don't right. you know i don't <laughs> i don't want to get too far away from from that before i without at least mentioning just you know part of the gift of this when you look at you talk about the our main character who's trying things and failing and how cool that is and the comparison of spot to spider-man which i think is so spot on spider-man is ostensibly in, in you know, in intention, at least a kid. And it's so much easier from a narrative perspective to let a kid try things and fail. Uh, and it's much harder to do that for, you know, for an adult character. And I think adult actors, you know, have a harder time looking dumb uh, as hero characters. You know, I mean, they want to be written as constantly just sort of strong and their growth, the window for growth is is very shallow. And, right. And in this yeah. case, you, you know, we get we get a very very broad window for growth in in Tony Stark and in in you know Robert Downey Jr. and so much of that is I, I think because what did he as an actor have to lose at this point? Like he had already woken up in his neighbor's house and like completely <laughs> dosed out. Like he, he was coming off of a pretty dark time in his career and and just ended up really allowing himself to to invest in a way that we don't often get to see uh, in our grown up heroes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said that this is like a summer blockbuster about like a a man in at this time, like in his mid 40s, completely reinventing himself and saying like, oh, a lot of what I dedicated my life to was wrong. I was wrong. I'm going to I'm going to I have to almost be a child again and learn and become something else. And that's it's it's an exciting thing to put to to build your movie around. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that, I mean, here he is this genius inventor who's you know, running this, this huge um, industry and it is very much like a kid, like he's keeping it all secret. Like he's, it's in his basement right? You know, he's just doing it like, uh, like a teenager would where, you know, he won't show anybody. And I, I think that that speaks to that. Like he is kind of uh, creating this new version of himself really kind of from the ground up. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, he's kind of hiding his hobby from like Aunt May, but it's like Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> right. And to him, he's, to them, he's just having this very alarming kind of public meltdown midlife crisis. Like, you know, we're lucky this is a couple of years before Twitter really took off. Oh, geez, right. <laughs> <laughs> I only had one other note for this, this scene. It's a little one. It's, it's in the last moment. So we go from that comedic moment we cut to Tony. He's back at his computer. He's working again. Now you see him working on parts for his arms. And, uh, and then we see him take a drink from his uh, coffee cup, his, his self-branded coffee cup, which is just great. But uh, actually, two quick notes. The first thing is, in that first shot we cut to, I never noticed until going through this minute uh, in scrupulous detail that his coffee cup is sitting on the desk upside down. Oh, my goodness. I have never noticed that either. Oh, that's weird. That looks very strange. And I only noticed it because I was I was looking at it, trying to figure out the brand and stuff. And I saw that the S was, I'm like, well, why is the S at the end of it now? And then I realized, oh, we're looking at the, at the bottom. It's just, uh, I don't know if they 
if the props team just did that or what. But uh, yeah, there it is. The upside Ooh. down coffee cup. What? Uh, okay. What's going on on that set? Uh, somebody that thought is, that was a good idea. And right? how did he not notice that the coffee cup was upside down? I mean, they were writing it on set, Scott. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Their mind was uh, were elsewhere. Yeah. I'm right. trying to get my head around the angle of of where he's now sitting. Where it's because you look behind it. Oh, th- see, there's the jukebox. Okay, so if you back up yeah. to you know second fifty, and we're in the garage. Yeah. And you're the the jukebox is what I'm anchoring on, which is mm-hmm. really really over far over on the left. And you kind of pan around the room, and we we go straight to the sort of the corner there. And I guess hidden behind all those monitors, obscured by the monitors. I'm I'm now scooting forward. He's sitting at this desk. There's the Wurlitzer, but there's the little kitchen kitchenette over there right. with a, yeah. a couch. It, it just didn't feel like there's enough room for for a second kitchen on that set. Yeah, when I was uh, in the earlier minutes when we were first getting the lay of the land down here, um, when Pepper comes and talks to him when he's working on his car, uh-huh. uh, we really got a good sense of the the layout down here. And that's a corner where there's a there's the couch, there's the um, uh, the big refrigerator over there with all the drinks and a and a and a an espresso machine. Mm-hmm. And then just down the way is the Wurlitzer, and there's a workstation right there in front of the Wurlitzer, and that's where he's working at the end of the minute. Um, at the beginning of the minute. He's working at a table that weirdly is not there when we cut to the uh, the wide shot. It would actually be on the right under where it says record. That's yeah, where yeah. you see a couple like little, I don't know, little objects that are on wheels. Yeah. That's where the table that he's working on should be. Okay. And weirdly, it's not. I don't know why, but dummy and you are rolling things around, I guess. But so, yeah, it's a... It's interesting the way it's that uh, that he uses his space, and he does he does find ways to fill most of the corners you know, with projects in one way or another. I wonder what goes into his thought process of choosing one computer over another for any <laughs> any particular <laughs> right. work, because he has so many computers in here. Like, how does he know? Like, okay, like which computer? All right, so that's going to be my legs computer. That's going to be my arms computer. <laughs> that's my chest computer. That one's building my face. Like he's got that that monitor in that back corner over by where the little kitchenette area is. And it's always playing information. And I was wondering, like, is he just have information like the pertinent information scrolling on every screen? So wherever he is, he can look at it and it's got the information there. Or is it all different information? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. No, but uh I think it speaks to, well, I mean, you know, this is a guy who's designed his own keyboard, as we saw in the uh, in an earlier minute and in the deleted scene. You guys saw that right, uh, funky right. keyboard he's created. See, again, see, he does. He he creates things and then he creates simpler ways of doing the complex things. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of like that's that's his move It's like he's like, OK, this is how I do this. Now, how can I can how can I how can I boil this down and make this as simple as just as many shortcuts as possible? Um, to do it over and over and over again. That's interesting. That's yeah. his thing. It is his thing. That is totally his thing. Is. What would Tony Stark do? I need more of that in my life. Yeah. I no. feel like I've just learned <laughs> an object lesson from Tony Stark. That's that's how he has so much time to do so many things. You know, he's always yeah. he's only spending time on the new stuff. Right. Mm. Oh, it's brilliant. And then the only other uh quick thing that I had was in the cup, uh, as we see that very last shot before he picks the coffee cup up, there is a little I don't know what it is. But it's like a little googly-eyed frog sort of thing 
that is mm-hmm. sitting in the coffee cup. And as I've been watching this minute, I've been mesmerized by this little thing and I have no idea what it is, but it fascinates me and I want one. I think it's, it, it almost looks like a, like a, what was that show with the, the anthropomorphic like dinosaurs? Uh, it was like a sitcom, like a family sitcom of dinosaurs. Right. It was called dinosaurs. <laughs> it looks like one of those, but you know? Yeah. I think it's probably a thumb drive. That's what it seems like to me. Like a fun you think? USB drive. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. I think it looks like Flick from A Bug's Life without the antenna. Oh, it does. Yeah. It does. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe the antenna but broke off. Knows? Need that. Who knows? Uh, anything else for this minute, you guys? Nothing for me. Nothing that, good. That's what I got. All right. Well, again, Scott and Nick, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Where can people uh, track you down? What's, what's, the, what's the scoop for today? <laughs> Uh, well, since you brought it up earlier, uh, Spider-Man Minute, uh, which is the, the podcast that I, I co-host with, uh, Zach Luna. Um, and we talk about, uh, every minute of every Spider-Man movie. So we've done Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, both by Sam Raimi. And we are gearing up to do Spider-Man 3, uh, later this year. Uh, so that's going to be, that's going to be a long one and, uh, an interesting one. Um, I've done some preliminary research on that one and it, it is going to be a really fun, fun season. I think there's a lot of really, uh, bizarre and interesting stories behind the scenes stories to, to talk about how that movie came to be in the, uh, way that it was, it came to be. Um, so there's a lot of really cool stuff, uh, coming up in season three of Spider-Man Minute. But if you haven't checked it out, um, please go, uh, uh, go check out uh, Spider-Man Minute uh, seasons one and two because they're available now. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great show. Thank you. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free over at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.